2: Subscribe and download now, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
1: From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland, and this is The Leader Weekends. Saturday is How to Be a CEO Day. These are some of the highlights from the full episode. So if you want to hear more, you can hit the link in the show notes or search for How to Be a CEO in your podcast provider. There's a brand new episode every Monday morning. So you've risen to the top, you've got a powerful role in a major company, and you know you have the skills to go it alone. Should you?
0: You Having a big job like that, you get a meeting with anyone, right? You had huge budgets, big teams, big brand name behind you. But then when you leave and you actually notice that no one wants to meet with you anymore, it's just tough.
1: Hub Van Bockel was the marketing boss for Red Bull. Now he's CEO of his own energy drink company, Tenzing. Within two years of launching, it had a £2 million turnover, and it's grown ever since. On the face of it, that sounds like an overnight success, doesn't it? Here's how Hub's first pitch meeting went.
0: I asked him to come down, and he was on the stairs walking down, and he looked at me and he said, I told you I wasn't interested, because he saw the cans. And he walked back up, and I, I I actually cried.
1: I'm David Marsden from The Evening Standard. You're going to hear a lot about climbing mountains in this show. There's a mountain on the Tenzing Cans. It's a fair analogy. And the story of the company itself actually begins on one. So let's start with the Tenzing story itself, because I think it's one of my favourite entrepreneurial tales. Where did it begin? It all started on a walk, I guess?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, well... Before I went out for that walk, I knew already kind of what I wanted to do. There was an, a huge energy drinks market that was kind of saturated with, you know, brands that are, you know, with artificial ingredients, high sugar levels uh, that pump their uh, marketing budgets into like, you know, uh, the F1s and uh, like, you know, lots of carbon Fossil fuels consuming, you know, marketing programs effectively. So I, I thought the basic premise was really simple. It's always been I want to have a natural energizing drink that is made purely from plants, is low calorie and sustainable. That's what I was kind of looking for. But then you still, of course, need a recipe. You need a name, and it all kind of came together on that. and that kind of one moment where I was like, I, I was in in, in, in Asia traveling and I found out what the you know they drink a lot in the Himalayas which like Tibetan tea or they call it like butter tea and lemon teas they drink like two teas a lot and uh, so one is a tea with salt that's the butter tea and butter and a very strong tea which they boil for for hours Another is a kind of a lemon tea. And I had a doctor already by that time that helped me with my recipe. And I said, wow, is this, is this a, you know, cultural or is it actually a beneficial? And he goes, no, it actually has a lot of impact because it's a, you know, it's a triple hit of natural caffeine, vitamin C and electrolytes. And that then became the basis of the recipe. On that kind of same day inspired the name because uh, I then immediately, it just came to me like Tenzing because my father was always a huge Tenzing Norgay fan. He'd always tell me, you know, about when he climbed Mount Everest uh, for the you know for the first time together with Hillary and it was a beautiful story of you know a man I've read you know all the books I speak with the family a lot so I know a lot about him uh, and it's an, always one of the most inspiring stories of a man who you know came from very little and reached the top of the world so I thought that was such a cool story as well and then the cool thing as well then I thought okay it was available which is also quite unique if you launch a drink because you know drinks are in the same category to so an energized drink same category as beers juices everything so every name you could possibly think of that i had thought of before that moment was taken and this one was available and i asked the trademark lawyer i said do i need permission of the family and he goes well you don't because it's a very common name in that in that area so it's like it's like someone would call drink john but i was like no i do want their permission of course i get i went to you know i met the whole family and uh, you know we work closely we've been partners in the business uh, ever since
2: wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
1: There are energy rings out there. You know this because you worked at Red Bull. You were the marketing boss there. Was it not intimidating for you? I know you would obviously understand the market, but to also understand that here is a giant competitor that I know so much about that I have to go up against. Is there an advantage or a disadvantage to that?
0: I'd started one business before and one of the biggest insight I had from that was it's good to know the market that you're operating in. So I think in that sense, it's an advantage that you know it. You know, I don't think that's, that was a put, putting off for me because, yeah, I think that would be putting off, put everyone off at the end of the day. So no, I think, you know, I, I was always hesitant and I always, I still am to be overly negative about them. You know, if you look at, let's say, what BrewDog does and just like kicks beer at every turn, I've always found that more difficult, I guess. So that was that's the only disadvantage, I'd say. Because I was like I work there I, you know I know a lot of people there they're, they're great they're nice people you know so I had a, had a great time there so you know that that's uh, maybe helped me back from being more harsh
1: but your cell is different your USP is that it's a natural energy drink how important is it to differentiating Tenzing from other brands on the market how big a thing have you discovered that to be for the consumers
0: it was really cool because when I started basically we started this category that's now called natural energy so it's like it's become a whole category in its own right within the energy drinks and there's been you know there's been many followers since from you know from Danone to Unilever to you know Britvik they've all launched a natural energy since then some are doing well others have like not made it uh, and so that's kind of cool, I think. And I didn't really expect that to happen, to be honest. I think you're always a bit naive when you start. So there's two, like, there's two things that I think are quite... neat. One is because I knew most people know that a lot of people worry about those two things. Artificial ingredients, all the art- or artificial sweeteners, all that kind of stuff. That are also getting a much more negative press now again. And just the high sugar levels. So I knew people worried about that. It's actually, there it was, you know, quite high you know, percentage that worried about that. So I was naively thought if you then just launch a drink that is low in sugar and has only plants, uh, plant-based, people would all tr- drink it. But that's not how it works. <laughs> so uh, you have to kind of, you know, it's all habits that you're stuck into. It's like, you know, social comparison or like, you know, you're not drinking something that no one else is drinking. There's all these deeper beliefs that we all have as as people uh, that it just takes time to launch something like that. But then on the other hand now, we're like more than six years in, it has become an own category in its own right. but And we are the fastest growing. So we're now going to do roughly about 12 million turnover this year. We are the fastest growing. We're nearly doubling in retail even after six years. So we're the fastest growing energy drink in the whole category. It's kind of naively thinking it's going to go quicker but then at the end if you just keep going you know it did did, it did work out
1: that aspect of giving back to nature goes beyond just the ingredients of the drink doesn't it that's a whole ethos of the company you're carbon negative for example in your manufacture
0: yeah, so what we've done, and and that's obviously grown over the years, right? Because in the beginning, you're tiny, and you know, we're literally, we were sitting in a hotel lobby trying to sell a case of Tenzing. Uh, but it was always there in the foundation of the business. Because one of the first things I did was with Jumbling, for instance. Actually, when we just started, so Jumbling is the son of Tenzing Norge and we started. And actually at that time, it got quite a lot of news in the UK that the routes to Everest was littered. I called him, I was like, is there anything we can do? And I had these cool ideas of like going there with a little team and doing these cleanup missions. So it'd be cool because we always had like this community feel with Tenzing. So we thought hey, we'd definitely get a group of people to come. And he just basically went, nah, doesn't work. Uh, we need bins. We need to build bins because they, they were just like oil barrels that would fall over. I saw it later. And I was thinking, oh, I so said my whole first marketing budget we'll go to building bins in Nepal. (laughs) I mean, how's that going to help me? Uh, But we did it. And it's like a cool like way of, I think being genuine about, about our commitment. So that was the first marketing spend I ever did. And there was like little plaques on it that says Tenzing, you know, funded this and, and we've had an occasional Instagram post on it, but I don't think it drove any business, but then, and then we've just kind of increased that uh, uh, over the years. So, Uh, We're now like we're we're B-Corp certified, for instance. But like from a carbon footprint, that's where we take very, very seriously. So we have a four-step approach we defined. First of all is knowing our footprint. So we know our whole footprint from crop to can. So every piece of footprint we know. We work with Carbon Cloud for that. So we we know it, we show it. Then we lower it as far as we possibly can. We have lowering processes where we actually lower our our, um, footprint every year. We've successfully done that till now. And then lastly, everything we cannot lower, we locally offset. So we, we look at, let's say, you know, we take our green, green tea from Kenya. We try to source most of our ingredients from close to home. But some ingredients, obviously like tea and coffee, cannot be produced in the UK. So then we, can, we take our tea from, from rainforest land certified farms. But then we have projects there to offset more than we emit in the country. Where we emit it, so we're officially carbon negative, taking more carbon out of the air than we emit. But I think the other three steps are just as important. I think the interesting bit about the first bit, I think ninety-five percent of companies already fall short of knowing their own carbon footprint, and I think that is just a disgrace. You know, if you think what's happening now, and at the end of the day, it's it's companies that emits the carbon, right? You could argue, yes, it's people choosing those companies it's people driving the cars and they also have to make choices. But at the end of the day, all is that to the companies. And if they don't even know their footprint, uh, how could someone even choose to do the right thing?
1: That was Hub van Bockel from Tenzin. Get the best interviews, news and analysis every day with the Evening Standard newspaper. And every minute, if you go to standard.co.uk forward slash business. How to be a CEO is back on Monday morning. I'll see you then.